KCI Kindled, creating space for meaningful dialogue, a podcast brought to you by Gunawage Collective Impact. The goal of this podcast is to open up a safe space for community members to have conversations about current social issues, both inter-community and global issues, culture and heritage, and language. This space encourages respectful expression of different opinions and perspectives. The opinions and perspectives expressed belong to the guests of the show and do not represent the views of Gunawage Collective Impact or KSES Gunawage. This episode's discussion contains sensitive subject matter. Please listen with discretion. Have you ever been gaming or working online classes and your internet service constantly gets interrupted? First Nations Fiber is about to ensure that just won't happen again. Get ready for high speed at a new level. Click on fnfiber.com and sign up today. First Nations Fiber, empowering people through connectivity. Hey everybody and welcome back to KCI Kindled, creating space for meaningful conversation. My name is Karina Peterson. I work for Gunawage Collective Impact and I'm here to host the Men's Health Series, which is a collaboration with KCS Gunawage. Today in the studio, we have Cody Martin. We have Tom Deerhouse. Hi, Karina. Hi. And we have Brent Beresford. Um, so we're actually on our fourth episode so far. And I just kind of want to throw this question out a little bit before we get into our discussion today. But I want to know how everybody is feeling. And just in general, how was your day today? <laughs> but then the second part of that is like, how how has this podcast been going for you guys so far? Little debrief right on the air. Mm. <laughs> All right. Who's going first? Everyone's <laughs> like, not it. One, two, three, not it. <laughs> uh, I guess I can. I guess I can start. Mm, there's a there's a bit of a tenderness right now actually because of some stuff that's been going on and uh in the weekend and the day and i think that resonates a bit with some of the conversations that we've been having like perhaps especially that that last one we did you know i I, it it was it was a like after the fact when i was driving home i was like oh that touched some that touched some raw things and i could feel it you know in, in the in the body like there was a something had had moved and so yeah so that's that feels like a good thing that that's that that's evolving it's evolving into that and just to recap our last episode was on healthy relationships um and yeah that was quite a like an eye opener for me there was a lot of things that were brought up in that conversation where me as a woman I'm like ooh okay maybe that's something i need to work on or something i need to be aware of or um just like looking out for my own actions you know and taking responsibility for some of the things that maybe I have done in relationships, not just with romantic partners, but with friends and family and parents. And thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. Who's next? I can follow. I would say I'm uh, kind of recovering from a training last week, uh, a week long training on trauma. It shows I still need to work on things. Things rose up, the issues from the memories, which is a good thing, being a helper in the community. And uh, this week is going uh, going fine, going fine. And just by coincidence, got an offer to do, of all things, talk about creation story and peacemaker and traditional teachings from uh, outside organizations. So that's in my mind, and I'm glad to be here to, to share a little bit on that. And Yawa for being here today. All right, last but not least. Yeah, um, kind of resonating with what Tom had said, because I was in the same training as Tom, and uh, a lot of different things had uh, come to light. And uh, I guess doing this podcast on men's health is also another opportunity for myself to have a healthy relationship with myself and to 
reorganize my basement and drop off boxes here and there. So uh, other than that, I'm, I'm doing okay. That's a really great metaphor. Hmm. <laughs> Unless you're actually doing that in real life too. <laughs> a little I bit. Be, yeah. <laughs> and the basement, like even just the thought of that, because it's, uh, it's subterrain, right? It's underneath. Yeah, I learned that from uh, Susie Goodleaf because we do trauma-informed training with her. Yeah, yeah. That's actually the first time I heard that, but like, that's, I love that metaphor. It's funny, I used to, I used to have a radio show, it's not related, but it was also called The Basement. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) And I used to just play a bunch of punk rock and all my angsty, angsty teenage metal tapes. The Basement Tapes? Isn't that uh, Bob Dylan or something? The Basement Tapes. Anyway, so sidebar, <laughs> tangent. Sidebar, here we go, here, tangent. Here we go. This could be the basement boys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the basement boys. You know, on the second floor. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, okay, so today's uh, topic of discussion, like just to, to lead into it a little bit, we had a debrief session like maybe two weeks ago and we were just talking about, okay, well, what needs to come next? We've had a couple of brainstorm sessions and we kind of have a flow of the way things are going. But I remember the conversation was brought back to, again, the cultural components of like the stories of the peacemaker and it's brought back to creation story and all these types of things. So in terms of uh, men's health, these stories are, well, everyone's health, but specifically men's health today, these stories are important for everyone to hear. So I know that we wanted to kind of track and dip into that because it also opens up the doors to a whole bunch of other issues that we're going to be talking about eventually in the series. So how do we start this? (laughs) Okay, let me bring up uh, something I liked from that right off the bat, something I liked from that conversation. I know we're going to have to backtrack a whole lot, but there was this story of the woman and cornbread face and she had a name, Cody. Jagunsase. Jagunsase. Yeah. And I, I thought that was super interesting because that's the woman's role in that. Like, uh, anyway, so that's that caught my attention right away. And I have to be honest, like I grew up in a very non-traditional cultural family, like in this in our sense here in the community. So as a Ungwe Hunwe Haudenosaunee woman, I didn't get that in my upbringing. So like as an adult now, I've been learning a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. So this is like a really great learning opportunity for me to hear some of these stories right now. So I'm totally, mm-hmm. totally all for that. Would there be a benefit just to do a little short summary just to start us off? I know Zagunzaze was like the, called the mother of all nations or the first clan mother. And her, the story says that she was feeding warriors on this path that ran east to west. And so in a way she was enabling, allowing these fighting to continue until Peacemaker came and then gave her a position of... Uh, like a, a different role. I don't know if Cody wants to elaborate on that. Yeah. So maybe what we could do is kind of get started into a little bit of a storytelling and then go from there with the tangents. Yeah. Just like Tom was saying about this woman feeding men from east to west. And we brought that historical prefix into a modern, modern time where we see, um, I guess, women um, doing the same sort of uh, concept with men, right? Sending them. Uh, east to west or uh, west to east in, in whether it's in emotions or mixed messages and, and so forth and so on. So um, it's too bad we couldn't get too in-depth on the cultural stuff because it, it explains a lot more than what I'm trying to summarize off the top of my head. Like we can. We totally can if you're comfortable with that. 
No, just like cultural sensitivity. And, yeah. Uh, Got to be respectful to a lot of the knowledge keepers and mm-hmm. that cultural cultural component parts. But um, yeah, just in in a brief brief summary, Tom had uh, you know summarized it in in a very good way that um, a lot of you know and how I bring that back and relate it into modern time is you know we kind of see that um, being used in different ways. You know, we could uh, look at a, adultery. We could see one man coming in the front door and the other man leaving the back door or different scenarios in, in that way, right? It could be a universal teaching tool of those types of concepts. But I don't think that that's that's the intention. I just like to analyze and, and look at it from a different perspective and try to apply it in, in modern times just to mm-hmm. be in my own head about things like, you know, dissecting the culture and understanding a different reality of it, I guess. It's like taking that initial story and then applying it to how we are right now. Mm-hmm. So like the way that I'm understanding it is that like my role as a woman in a way is like causing some misdirection. Um, and in ways that I would do that is maybe through passive aggression or uh, other other things. <laughs> like I can't yeah. think. I'll, but... I'll, jump in, I'll jump in and the way I look at it, it's... Uh... Look back at the story and the dynamics that are happening. Zagutsuze's actions are not really healthy relationships. Because like I say, yeah. it's allowing this fighting to go on between different tribes that are passing east to west and all over the place. And uh, really taking advantage, going for the best deal, whoever, you know, whoever's there. So that, and that applies to male and female, but this is what happens. So it allows an unhealthy relationship to continue mm-hmm. until Peacemaker Convent actions take place and converts that to where a clan mother will be supportive and everyone is kind of practicing the principles of uh, the peacemaker, his message, and uplifting and always supporting. And that exists present day in uh, longhouse leadership and it should also exist in, in families, supporting, working together for a common goal, raising mm-hmm. children and providing for themselves and so on, helping the community and so on. So just so I understand, like um, like she continued this behavior until the peace came? peacemaker came or like was she was she waiting for him to come or did the behavior stop after the relationship started to change with the peacemaker yeah i don't recall exactly but the story says it happened for a, a long while a long while it was allowed to continue and then what do you know the peacemaker went to the the toughest uh, nation of all the mohawks who accepted the great peace i'm not sure the time frame exactly when Zaguse was brought in and, and given a role. If anyone can jump in and help me, that, that'd be fine. Can't say for sure the timeline. Yeah, I don't, I'm not too sure of the timeline either. But yeah, it did occur for an extended period of time. And finally, when the Peacemaker had arrived at that fork in the road or the crossroads of mm. where she was located, mm-hmm. he kind of delivered the message, the good word, or... Okay. So like, it was like an action to kind of stop this behavior. Yeah. And to change relationships after that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm reminded of uh, like just a technique. What do you do with a school bully? A bully in a classroom? If the teacher is really smart or he or she, they'll give that bully a role. Give that student a role so he'll feel valued. So it changes his role from, you know, misbehaving to one that takes leadership and whatever task it is, like handing out papers or the chalkboard or organizing a desk or something like that. Mm-hmm. So you give, so Zagun says they had a role, but it changed and, mm-hmm. they, and it changed into being part of the Confederacy and the whole idea, aspect of 
you know, leadership supporting all the 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 fifty chief the role that uh, and so she was like the original, and everything was based on on her changing, changing her behavior, and really changing her mind to a good mind. Mm-hmm. So, um, please jump in and correct me, but this is uh like essentially the peacemaker's role. Uh, like, what were the characteristics of the peacemaker? Like, what uh. Like, I, I understand the story only so far. And again, cultural sensitivity, I don't know how much I could get into it. A little difficult. but no. Yeah, I heard, I heard one version that uh, Peacemaker was a Huron located around uh, Tyndanaga area, present-day Tyndanaga. But I also heard recently that he wasn't a Huron after all, that he was, in fact, a Mohawk. And I didn't get a chance to explore more. Again, Cody might add to this of what he heard, but this is the version I heard. And it was a, a, you'd say, a virgin birth. There was no father present, and it was a time of warfare. The blood in the blood in the rivers due to warfare, and it wasn't safe for uh, women and children to be in the village, mm-hmm. even in the daytime. So some of them camped out in the bush where they couldn't be located easily, and because uh, warriors and family feuds were going on all this time. This is the time before European settlers contact or contact. You're the same thing, Cody. Yeah, Mo- Mohawk. Yeah, yeah, I heard two, yeah, two versions. Two versions. So I was told, you know, you don't argue, but if you know the two versions, you just say that and just leave it like that. But what's important is uh, the way he grew up was uh, different from uh, other boys. He showed like a leadership role and he had this strange idea, I guess even then, maybe say 12 years old, bringing a peace, dropping the weapons of war. And that would, together that would be bringing about power through unity and just a good message. And uh Jumping back into the story, what was the timeline? At some point, oh, there's an important one that I like. Wasn't he, uh, he was like a leader amongst his peers. He took uh, boys in his village or nearby and he, they went like all day and no adults around to a clearing and they say he taught them uh, ceremonies. I think it was uh, four, sacred, four sacred ceremonies and this happened for a while. I think, well, yeah, I heard that uh, one time uh, he was he was missed, and they wondered where all the boys were. So someone followed them, and they found the boys in a clearing in the woods. And this is where all the teachings came on. So you can uh, just know that Peacemaker had this and, and his values, and he shared that until the point of that he had to go on his own. That that's where the story comes with uh, the white stone white stone canoe, which is pretty amazing. I guess it's another part two of the. Uh, it catches your attention. A virgin, a virgin birth. What? There's no father. How did that happen? Doesn't that sound familiar in history? Uh, <laughs> if uh, for Christianity, uh, but then the second one too, a white stone canoe. So it has to be almost dramatic to really catch your attention and know that he was special. And uh, he he formed this white stone canoe on around uh, Bay of Quinte, Lake Ontario, and that he's headed east. And, uh, and magically, it took off down the lake, and he was headed for the eastern door where the Mohawks resided. He said if he can probably convince them, turn their minds to drop their weapons of war, accept his message of peace, then everything else should fall into place. I'll leave it there. And uh, I guess so my question to follow that is, uh, what, do, what do we think right now about our <laughs> modern times? Do you, do you kind of, do you feel like we are still following the message of the peacemaker or are things a little different? Yeah, it's like a controversial uh, uh, question, but I, you know, that was controversial. <laughs> bringing in those concepts of of culture and and the oral tradition from creation story, um, the great law, 
um, Handsome Lake and all these other uh, prophets and prophecies and, and teachings that were given to the Haudenosaunee people, how I, how I look at it and put it into practice is applying it to modern times and the concepts that were identified through creation story. We see that today, you know, you know, sky woman falling through the hole and planting seeds and that whole concept of Turtle Island. And how do we apply that in modern times? We see a lot of women losing themselves to addiction. So falling in that dark hole, kind of like sky woman falling through that dark hole to Turtle Island and the development of all these things or relationships, um, so forth and so on. You look at the part where she gets burnt by mush. You know, everybody gets mm-hmm. everybody gets burnt by mush. So, all these concepts through through that oral oral history is it's it's vibrant. It's uh, it's used every day. It's just it's contrary to people because of the impacts of colonization and the suppression of of cultural practice. Right. So, a lot of people really don't understand um, a lot of the cultural stuff because because of shame, mm-hmm. you know, fear insecurities and some people just use it as a uh, a safe haven or uh, just go through the motions of it as, as you know um, I guess like as a social club mm-hmm. which is all perfectly fine and dandy you know uh, we all have to find our place and sense of belonging somewhere right so so throughout the great law this this peacemaker he makes his journey in the white stone canoe and giving people the good word and to eliminate violence and he's turning bad into positive. And what we don't see today in, in, in the great law in 2023 is men supporting men, just like how the peacemaker supported another chief in time of grief. That, that chief's name now is, is Hiawatha. You know, he, he was grieving and he had de- developed all these strings and condolence and and stuff affiliated with that story Mm -hmm. so when you look at that we don't see that in a community today where men are uplifting one another or having that healthy relationship of consoling the mind so after that you know throughout the story he continues then he meets chukun and he corrects the wrongdoings of her to a positive and, and the misdirection of men then after that he continues he continues his journey where he changes the outlook of ugly men or cannibals at that time to having them reflect in, in the water to see how beautiful they are. And when you look at that in, in a modern perspective, a lot of men have uh, body shame and uh, issues or, mm-hmm. or clump, uh, complex uh, feelings on how they look and, and, you know, coming right back to this, uh, the things that they've done in the past, they can't get over. Yeah. <clears throat> and social media again, right. Uh, doesn't help, doesn't help, uh, no, support any of that because all. all these influencers are six packs and, and everything else and <laughs> white teeth and so forth and on. And, and we try to follow that image, but so throughout the story, you know, it's all applicable today in a, in a modern sense. It's just how far you're willing to go to look in yourself to to understand it. Because mm-hmm. it's all well, not going to say it's all metaphors, but you can look at these stories as metaphoric and still apply it to these times. Mm-hmm. Like the basement example, the basement is the depths of our soul, right? 
that need repair. Well, it's the same thing with a lot of these concepts because I'm like, I'm sitting here writing a couple of notes on some stuff and, um, you know, like there's a couple of good points that were already brought up just about shame and fear and, uh, like the lack of support for men out there, but like just not even from general society, but men supporting other men. Like, I, I think those are pretty important topics and like, I'm sorry, you could keep going with the story. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, so the really cool part about the story is that, you know, the peacemaker and a few other people finally get to meet the final boss in Comey's hair, you know, Adadaho or Tadadaho, depending who's telling or what version. They have that concept of combing the hair. So you could apply that today in, in, in modern time where taking that concept of combing the hair on yourself and by combing your hair is, is working out the issues that you have. Mm-hmm. And that's what the peacemaker had did throughout um, establishing the Confederacy by turning war, warfare, and all these different hateful crimes into uh, peace. You know, positive, positive things, a positive outlook on on life and how you should be carrying yourself and conducting yourself from day to day. And, you know, just by saying that, I could already feel the feedback and the misunderstanding of what I just described, because, you know, we're all human beings. We can't live a perfect lifestyle to the T as the peacemaker or the great law. We have all our own faults. We all come from different upbringings, different ways of walks of life but we have to encounter and go through those types of things in order to learn a little bit more about ourselves oh yeah exactly and that's probably one of the biggest boulder that 99.9.999 percent of men carry of that miss uh misstep or walking i don't even know how to like just a fear of failing mm-hmm. letting, letting people down but like just thinking about the combing of the hair like to me as a woman that's a nurturing act it's not even about working out the knots it's it's a nurturing act because if you see moms when they comb their kids hair when they're getting out of the tub or like it's you're taking care of someone Mm -hmm. and like as an adult if someone were to comb my hair right now i'd probably feel so loved right and that's that's what that is right it's taking care of somebody else it's nurturing someone else it's uh to me, it's a very intimate act to be able to comb hair like someone else's hair or to fix someone else's hair. Or a woman to braid a man's hair. Yeah. Done also. Yeah. Once upon a time, I had long enough hair to <laughs> braid when you get to a certain age. Yeah. Uh, I have a story about a, one of my cousins, actually. He has really long hair, really, really long hair. And he was like struggling with it at the gym. So I offered to comb his hair, like to braid it for him because I'm a good braider. And he was like, only my wife does that. I'm like, okay. Uh, I'm like, I'm your cousin, man. Like I was just trying to be helpful, but I get it because it is, it's a pretty intimate nurturing thing to do that for someone. And uh, the fact that the peacemaker was able to do that for this chief in power is a huge symbol. And we don't see that so much these days, or we see it maybe in a different way. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, like, like we already said some of the reasons why these things, why it's not, why it's harder to get to that, like colonization, shame, fear, insecurity. Like, would you let someone else comb your hair for you? Like that too. It's like, are you apprehensive about letting someone take care of you mm-hmm. or letting someone nurture you? Like it's a, it's a pretty powerful idea. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm all for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, but it uh, for my, in my case, it was uh, evolving. Uh, it wasn't like that when I was younger because I grew up uh, kind of hard the way my father was, uh, stern and uh, don't cry. And keep, you know, just take care of business and no kind of hide your emotions. Learn that's not the best way to go about things. You have your life lessons to learn. It could be a burnout situation or broken relationship or just the sadness that uh, you could have done better. So there's some remorse. But I want to get back to what Cody said, something important, the, the self-reflection that, the, yeah. that you did. If people are willing to do that, and this applies to anybody, self-reflection on what you need to change, what, uh, what happened in your past. And this is kind of connected to the trauma training, but it's uh, something that, that's my area. If you reflect on that and maybe make peace, make peace with what was done to you somehow and forgive yourself because you weren't the same person like present day, you were, you were younger and didn't have the, the knowledge and all the life experience. So you can get to that point of uh, just uh, making peace with what was done to you and then in your thoughts and in your actions and, and what you say about the past, whether the person is family or friend or stranger or, or, and if doesn't matter if they're living or, or, or passed on, you know, that so you can still fix things up. You can still make things right yeah. Yeah, by various means. And that's what, uh, that's what we talk about in the field, yeah, of trauma, trauma work and healing and being, you know, reconciling, reconciling with uh, someone who has kind of done you wrong. And, but it starts, I guess, with the self-reflection too, that you need to do something and be, take a risk. Like we took risks last week and everyone took risks yeah. to share themselves and, uh, in that risk-benefit analysis, while the benefits are long, long-serving, going to serve you well for the rest of your life. Mm. That came up in the the brainstorming that we did too, when we were talking about this about um, making mistakes, and then it those mistakes kind of sticking with you forever, depending on who you're talking to. So it's like, um, is there any kind of give for that, or like give and take about making mistakes? And then you're holding shame, and then you're holding fear, and then you're holding all these items because it's uh, like there's no outlet to let it go mm. like where would you let that go it's dependent on that individual when they want to do that self-reflection right because a lot of men and women are kind of like blindness and they carry around that blanket full of stuff right yeah <laughs> the security blanket and they you know kind of rely on on that blanket because it's a safety mechanism it's a it's a protective factor where they don't want to do any type of work because it's safer safer there than yeah safer to uh to to mask it to hide it to yeah. hide behind it to <laughs> yeah protect yourself mm. from whatever <laughs> yeah so if one man in a stone canoe could bring five nations together in however long it took him, I think that each and every one of us has some sort of peacemaker ability to bring ourselves together mm -hmm. in that individual uh, compartment, right? To work, you know, those, those five nations or five emotions that you may be struggling with, find a way to bring them in and, and help yourself with it. Because when you get into that type of work, you have to have a special type of perspective and understanding on what you're getting into. Because a lot of people like to throw around that word solitude and gratitude and all these things. But if you don't understand what you're getting into on a spiritual level and the intensity of sitting in your own discomfort and emotions, you're going to be in for a ride. Mm -hmm. Like going on the monster roller coaster at La Ronde <laughs> times 10. 
And that's why a lot of people don't last long. They'll either get back into another relationship or just continue to do different abusive things in in the sense of substance abuse and, and stuff of that nature. And sadly, suicide. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why or where a lot of men feel left out because they, they don't have other men encouraging or supporting or even enough resources for, for the male population or, you know. Or even just like enough discussion or attention around around that topic. Like there's tons, like as a woman, for me, if I want to go for self-care, I know exactly where to go. You know, I know I know I could go wherever. Yeah. Because it's Spirit of Wellness Month right now and there's like... <laughs> There was a mom's pamper me day yesterday and I'm not knocking it. It's great. I sent my mom. <laughs> I want her to go. She deserves it. But is there like, is there a men's pamper me day? And what would that look like? Because nobody, nobody knows. It's probably a lot of women planning these things and women don't know. So it's. uh Yeah. And, and after being in an intensive week of training, I get this word thrown at me all the time. Self-care. You got to do what makes you happy. What are some of the things that make you happy? Sure, going to the gym, walking in the woods, hunting, fishing, all these things. Are, it's, it's temporary, but how, is that, how does that fit into the class of self-care? Because self-care has been so monetized in, in a way that you have to go to the spa or you have to go <laughs> yeah. to... Pedicure, uh, manicure, yeah. get your style, hair styled. Facial. Facial, yeah, that's true. <laughs> And some days for me, self-care is just laying on the couch in my underwear. Yeah. <laughs> With a bag of Cheetos. <laughs> right. But the repercussions of that is that men are always under the gun. Either they're beating themselves up because they need to get X, Y, and Z done before the snow. Or oh yeah, your partner is saying, well, you're lazy and you should be doing this, doing that, and doing this, right? So it comes right back up to... Why should I bother doing any self-care? Yeah. So it's like your your chances or your opportunity for those types of self-care are like very limited. But I wanted to, uh, like you mentioned, self-care in these modern times is is just that, right? Like a fancy latte mm. from Starbucks is somebody's self-care out there. <laughs> but like to me, I just had this conversation this morning actually with John, <laughs> who sends his regrets for not being here, but we were talking about being comfortable versus uncomfortable. And when we think of self-care, it's all about comfort. But do we grow when we're comfortable? Are we doing anything to actively grow or improve ourselves? Like if we're laying on the couch in our underwear eating Cheetos, like, yes, you're, you're resetting and you're resting. There's a value in that for sure. But in terms of self-care, there also has to, in my mind, in my perspective, there has to be like a not always, but in some cases of self-care, there should be an element of discomfort also because you don't grow if you're not putting yourself in an uncomfortable position. Because if we're just comfortable our whole lives and there's no challenges ever, like we could be happy, but is that actual, is that what happy is? Is that satisfying? Mm. What's the definition of happy? Is it comfort? I don't think it's comfort, but I don't know. <laughs> when you When you say discomfort, I think of I think of a sweat lodge and going making a little sacrifice that goes uh, a little bit, little ways to your little bit of healing, a little bit of changing, a little bit of releasing. So 
just recently I've kind of looked at it this way, self-care to break it down into four aspects. Uh, there's a spiritual part, a physical and a, and a mental. And if you try to spread it out in self-care, maybe that'll make you uh, take care of uh, all, all your needs. Like, you know, self-care it can be reading a book, self-help book, reading some uh, native, there's good native authors out there. Physical is the gym, eating, eating better. And the spiritual side could be ceremonies because there's some discipline to that. If you a person belongs to a society or does some certain things, there's a certain discipline and and helping others too when you're called upon. So and the emotional part, it's kind of goes into all areas. But you feel better when you're giving and not expecting anything in return, and uh, yeah, it just feels good because you know you're you're that's your role. That's a role that you choose, and uh, it goes on from there. You just you just said it that. There's a bit of a sacrifice involved, but mm. in the end, you feel better. Mm -hmm. So like huh, me in a sweat lodge, <laughs> that's hard. Like I mm -hmm. am on the ground, like struggling to breathe. Like I, I have a hard time. I've mm -hmm. only ever been in one sweat lodge and I didn't last very long because like it's hard, but did I feel better afterwards? Like, of course, of course. So there's always a little bit of like a sacrifice that comes with the benefits of it. So when we're talking about self-care, what's the definition or what like is it the starbucks is it the comfort is that what is it the stuff that's making you happy that's self-care or is it the stuff that's pushing you to work on yourself or pushing yeah, I you say to, it's all a part of it it's all, all part, part of, all it, part of right? it yeah yeah i was gonna make a point but i <laughs> oh yeah sweat lodge is not the only way there's uh you know fasting a little bit fasting is a self-sacrifice of food and water just, uh, you know, include a spiritual aspect to it that, uh, as we're all, uh, as Ganesaho says, we're all human beings having a, we're all spiritual beings, rather, having a human experience. Fasting or purge, not the most pleasant thing, but, you know, releasing toxins and so on. So there's many ways. And even one-on-one -on -one with, uh, when you think of it in town, help is only a phone call away. It doesn't have to be KSCS. It could be a helpline. It could be a friend that you build up this relationship with. When you feel you need it and when you feel you're ready, you make that, that leap of faith, that risk, be welcomed and accepted, accepted on the other end or in person. When we realize it's not a, it's not a, it's not a little thing, fairly big concept of taking that risk because the people have been rejected in the past. So there's a fear factor involved there, fear of being rejected or disappointed or being hurt once again. But even just looking in the, in the water at your reflection is hard enough. True. Because like what Cody was saying with that security blanket and like that security blanket could be all those other aspects of self-care rather than getting to like the hard work part of it. So I guess my question or where am I going with this? Like what are some things that we could do to maybe help promote people to get uncomfortable and to also do that sacrificial work to be able to kind of get back to that good mind? because. We are. We're seeing a lot of different types of violence and aggression in our in the whole world, um, not just here in our community, but we're seeing all types. We're seeing lateral violence. We're seeing bullying. We're seeing self-hatred. And it all comes back to that reflection and shame and fear and being turned away, which is like being shamed or being, um, what's the word I'm looking for, like ostracized from your community for the things that you've done. But it's like, it, how do you come back? from that how do you how does somebody what can we do to make it easier for people to to want to look at their reflection mm -hmm. one of the things that's coming to me and as you speak uh, tom you know 
it sounds like a lot of the things that you're, that you just spoke about are these invitations to get closer to yourself, get closer to your experience, like this, the real quote unquote, real experience of yourself. And, and I think we, we all know here in this room that when you get close to that, it's not, it's not all butterflies and rainbows, Mm -mm. (laughs) but there can be this misconception. You're talking about self-care, you know, there can be this misconception that that's supposed to, that's what it's supposed to look like. You know, if I'm taking care of myself, then it's butterflies and rainbows all around. And if I'm starting to do this kind of work that you're, that that you're all talking about with this sacrifice, then then that's not what I'm going to find. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to come close to these things that I don't, that I don't necessarily like about myself. And can that be okay? Mm. And that's where I think there's, there's a shift that is, that is necessary. Like, can it be okay for it to be like that? And for us to understand that this is actually, this is actually good work when we're touching into these things. Yeah. And maybe that's where the combing of the hair comes back. How do you let other people in to help you? Well, it comes right back to our conversation around healthy relationship where a lot of things were talked about where certain things like Brent was talking about could be utilized as a a weapon, a means to to hurt a person because I could tell you I'm working on myself. I'm doing the work. I'm letting this go. This is how I feel. I'm in my discomforts. I'm alone. But I slip in three days. Yeah, I could see where you're going with that. You know? (laughs) Thought you were working on yourself. Mm -hmm. Then you fall right back into what the What happened? So it's kind of having the ability to help change everyone's mindset. And instead of looking at all the, I guess, character flaws, right? I, uh, I would, would say that the character flaws don't define the individual. And a lot of people stick to their guns because of the character flaws separate and, and don't want to have healthy relationships or be vulnerable or understand or look at culture and, and the hardships that our ancestors went through, but we'll come back into a modern time and say, yeah, we went to great law and this and this and this and that, but don't understand the hardships and realities that those very fundamentals that we have today had to go through, mm-hmm. you know, sacrifice and, and pain and, and growth, uh, which is pretty interesting because Russell Means, he talked about this quote. He said, human beings are the weakest things that roam the earth. Okay, I could see that. And he said, when you look outside in the middle of winter and the grass is peeking through the snow, he said, that's the strongest thing ever put on earth because they get to withhold sub-zero temperatures, the weather conditions, the snow, the frost. Mm -hmm. And he said, we as humans, we have to put on 40 layers of clothing to go outside. It's true. (laughs) (laughs) We're actually pretty vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I want to follow that with a with another metaphor that some some other teachers has told me to look at the way that that humans as as mammals are one of the only mammals who who walk around with the most vulnerable parts of their physiology exposed and so this pointing to the nature this is the nature of being human right and yet there is not an acceptance of that as being the nature of, of being human. And so what, what you were saying before, Cody, was making me think of like, like, can, can you be a good man if you've hurt someone before? Like if you've, if you've been violent before, like, can you still be a, can you still be a good man? You know, if you've, if you've used or abused substances, like, can you still be a good man? This, it sort of seems like those things are like, no, 
you know, that's like incoherent and then we can get, and we can get lost, you know, if there's that sense of that, that's not supposed to exist, you know, in the, uh, those vulnerabilities are not supposed to exist in the, in this good person. Yeah, for sure. And I can relate to that because I've hurt people. I use substances. I continue to hurt people. I uh, continue to push love, loved ones to the side. But I put the effort in to correct my behavior and, and, and attempts to make things right and try to follow that cultural understanding or, or perspective to help me. Because, you know, it's kind of like golf. Every morning I wake up, it's a mulligan, you know, or another opportunity to um, correct what I did yesterday. And it's kind of like the concepts in AA, right? Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Or some of these things that we're talking about in mindfulness, right? Keeping the mind in, in the present and in the awareness and, and having that sense of control of now. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And Wendy Hill, she talks about that and she's real good at that. She said, there's nothing you can do about tomorrow, but be excited for tomorrow. Yeah. So. And you could also, you can't do anything about the stuff that's already happened unless you need to make some repairs. That's what you can do. Yeah. You can't change what's already happened, right? But stuff like that, words, actions, whatever you have made, done or did happen for a reason. That's, that's my, that's my opinion. That's what I believe in, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and it teaches me something. Um, I'm still, I'm still learning about myself, learning about my actions and words and how I communicate, but. Or lack of. Yeah. Lack <laughs> like of, for me, yeah, lack, lack of, of yeah. communication. There's a, there's this, uh, I hesitate saying this, but it's a Buddhist teaching about regret and remorse as being the, the saviors of the world. So I would add to what you said, Karina, like you can't do anything about those things except for learn from them. You know, like if, if we have this capacity to be okay with the fact that those things happen, then it opens a space for the heart to be able to, to hurt, you know, and be like, Ooh, like those, those things were, those things were painful and those things cause pain to others. But if I can be all right with feeling that there's much more chance that I'm, that I'm not going to repeat it again. Well, maybe that's uh I love this, the, the metaphor of the combing hair, but maybe that's where we need to learn how to comb our own hair, yeah. provide some love and nurturing to ourselves, some kindness to ourselves. But that's hard, right? You could do that for other people, but it's hard to do it for yourself. It's hard to accept it hard to accept from it. other people. Yeah. And I have to, I had that told to me multiple times. You have the tools, you have the education, you have the understanding, you take your shirt off your back to give to other people, to help other people. You put, put us to the side and then you can't help us. It's completely different to utilize the tools, the education and everything else that you know to, to help a person. Mm -hmm. But to bring that in and then to help yourself or help that situation, it's a completely mm -hmm. different scenario because you're fighting, mm, trying to figure the... Uh, because I also don't want to get a bunch of knives thrown at me when I walk out of this building. <laughs> and, uh, trying to, you know, you're grasping for straws and air at that, at that point because you're already so heated in whatever it may be that you don't have time to, to reflect and say, well, I have this and this and that and I should have, you know. And then after everything's all said and done, that's when all those ends, ifs and buts come into play. You know, I should or should have. All the should have, yeah. could have, would have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's 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 pretty interesting, and I think Tom might have some relatable teachings, but 
throughout the years I traveled, a lot of elders said, you know, it'll be selfish for you to use your own tools and gifts on yourself when those tools and gifts were given to you to help other people. Yeah. So men are in limbo again. Of, again, yeah. Should I help myself or should I save that for the next person coming? <laughs> that's a lot of... Yeah. And, and that's... A lot of confusion. And that's the reality. Whether, whether you have spiritual gifts or you belong to any society or anything in a cultural perspective or whether you're in an office with those types of responsibilities or if you're going away ironwork or carpentry whatever it is do you help yourself or you help the company or the next person come in you know kind of like that apprenticeship is it possible to do both mm. <laughs> <laughs> like is that even fathom fathomable to be able to think about yourself as well as other people like the concept yes of course we could do that but what are the uh the constraints to that like but it, it's everything we've already said before, right? It's you were kind of asked to do that anyway. Yeah. yeah. Work, sacrifice for others, and then help yourself. Take care of self care and maintenance. Because you're no good as a helper if you're not healthy as, as possible. So Yep. It's also where where that oh sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, finish. I think you I was just gonna just a thought that uh it's good to have role models, male or female also. Doesn't have to be older either. It can can be any age. As long as you have that connection, they can can be helped by because they can be like that mirror of yourself and where you need to work on something that's uh that's a risky thing too to get that feedback here's something you should work on but if you trust and have that rapport with someone it can be it can be done yeah i'll get there i think it's kind of important to have that too because again if uh if you're just surrounded by people who are not giving you honest feedback about what you're doing and who you are like you're never gonna know that there's something that you need to work on. You're never going to be able to progress. If everyone is just either like patting you on the back or <laughs> telling you great job, even though it wasn't so great, like how no one's ever going to learn or grow from that. But like, I kind of feel right now that there's a lot of people that because we're if we're relating it back to modern times, we're living in this like, quote unquote, woke world right now where everything's got to be politically correct. And you can't offend anyone. You can't say anything offensive. Someone is going to be upset. And that's the worst thing in the world is to upset people. But is it though? <laughs> is it the worst thing in the world? So it's like, how do, like, I feel like a lot of relationships right now are people like friendships, even family, maybe a lot of stepping on eggshells around each other because you don't want to uh, upset anyone. You don't want to offend anyone or you don't want to risk wrecking the relationship because you have some feedback or like because you but mind you you're not just going to go around and like call people out for whatever reason if you're going to have something to tell someone hmm. it's because you know that they're they could be doing something better or they can be better or you love them enough to want them to change or you know it's not all about criticism maybe some people out there just like to criticize and judge but if you're coming from a place of love and you're afraid to tell somebody like that's that's a huge impact right there on people's growth is if everyone is just afraid to push buttons and ruffle feathers and to make people upset. Yeah, because everyone thinks grass is greener on the other side. And we said it last time, grass is greener where you water it, right? Really? <laughs> a little bit of hard work mm. in there. This this reminds this it just feels like it comes back to that sense of security that you were talking about before and and this and this idea of like a false sense of security like 
I hear what you're saying, Karina. And, and a part of me is like, well, you know, for people who, who have to survive with a false sense of security, not, not known, unknown to them, you know, then, then yeah, you might say something to that person and it could make them crumble. And that's, that doesn't feel like it would necessarily be helpful. So, so there, there's, there's like, there's a sensitivity around that, around like what, what, what has happened so that you have to walk around with that, with that blanket as the only way to be able to stand up and like go into a room and do, and, and do the daily thing that you, that you do. Sounds like a lot of hard work, which is so worth it. And imagine if people put the work into themselves, what our, our future kids would be growing up into, you know? Maybe we could get back to this, uh, like these teachings from the peacemaker. We get back to a certain level of peace, and yeah. And also, I'm going back to this cornbread face again. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important because after hearing all this stuff that we mentioned, is that this woman's role in the story was to misdirect, miscommunicate, send people different ways, and her message was not clear. But it took. The peacemaker, this peaceful man who loved himself, who loved all the other people to come in in a different way of being to have her change her role. So if we look at this in terms of relationships now, like women will also change when men change. And it's like a symbiotic relationship that goes back and forth. So like not to pit men against women, we have to work in harmony. That's the way things go. It's a balance. But if our if our men are upset, then so are our women and vice versa. And that also comes into play about roles and responsibilities of, of men and women, right? Women that have young boys or, or male, male children have a certain time period with them mm-hmm. until the men, the fathers, the uncles, grandfathers step up and, and take them away from the mother in a good way to provide them and, and their basket full of nourishment tools and an understanding to carry and conduct them and their way of life. Because what has happened is that women don't see it that way. And what happens to boys is that they get emotionally manipulated because moms can do that, right? They can manipulate the emotions on, on males and whether you're two, three, four, five, six, whatever it is, mm-hmm. as old as, 67 years old, women have the power and the ability to emotion, emotionally manipulate the male species. Mm-hmm. And that's not just humans, that's wildlife, the trees, fruit, every, everything. So that's where a lot of complications and issues happen because of the role and responsibility part. And again, that comes back to the healthy relationship and some of the conversation we had around uh, healthy feminism and, and not mm-hmm. healthy and, and whatever, right? So overstepping boundaries you know i'm probably gonna get shot for that too but <laughs> and that's the truth right and it comes directly out of jack nicholson's mouth <laughs> jack nicholson yeah you can't handle the truth <laughs> right <laughs> you know that's that's the the bottom bottom line of of of, of that is because men get so doubted and and pushed to the side because of that intimidation and overpowering of, of female society or dominance that, all right, well, I'm going to show you, you got it, take care of it. Mm-hmm. But when stuff starts to come up and starts to, to happen during that boy's life, how do you explain that to a boy if you haven't experienced that? 
Yeah. That's just the same thing with fathers raising daughters. They have them to a certain age period and the moms, aunties, grandmothers and all that step in because there's that whole conversation around the moons and understanding those parts and organs and and how to take care of and nourish your body right. Mm -hmm. Men don't have that. Men know and understand what's happening, but it's not their job to to teach their daughter about that. Mm -hmm. And bringing that into a modern time, Country music messed that up. Country music. <laughs> right? I'm not a fan of country music. <laughs> you know? And everybody loves that song, especially... Which song? You'll have to sing it. Daddy's Girl. Oh. Oh. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Number one and I know it, Daddy's Girl. <laughs> Should insert the clip here. I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to find out a clip for that. I'm like, I don't know the song, but I'm pretty familiar with it. <laughs> I was a daddy's girl. Yeah. And... Uh, the attachment right there is through through music. So with daughters being attached to fathers or father figures in, in that fashion, boys or young men don't have that connection with their, their fathers or uncles or whatever because they're being nourished by, by their mothers and aunties. Everything's been... Kind of flipped, yeah, because I'm, I'm the only girl out of two brothers and my, <laughs> my brothers, I lovingly say, are mama's boys mm-hmm. for sure. She's a lot harder than me than she is on them. And uh, let's just say my nickname was Princess when it came to my dad. See? <laughs> Not that I was spoiled. I was spoiled in love. But like, uh, it's just a very different relationship for mm-hmm. sure. I have a question. Am I allowed to ask a question? Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. And this, this came up when we were actually speaking in that debrief. Like, so... I've often seen my own role with my, with my children as the person to sort of separate, separate, like separate them from their mother, but not in a bad way, like sort of in the sense of like, there is some good evolution. That yeah, transition. That's it. And the, the question is coming in the, because there's a part of me that's like, well, what if, what if whatever I had to, and still have my children are young, you know, to show them, whatever, whatever I have to show them, like was able to be done with more relational qualities, things that we would stereotypically put, put into the category of women. You know, what if, I ha- what if I had those more available to me and was, and was able to raise my children in that way, still coming from the masculine, you know, the, the, the masculine side, but, but filled with these other kinds of qualities. So I wonder about, like, I wonder about that in relationship to, to to the stories you're 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 telling here Cody like like I don't even know what my question is anymore but there's there's sort of this sense of like is 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 that also a place where balance can be can can be found mm-hmm. yeah it's the duality mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and respecting because one's not greater than the other mm-hmm. everybody's the same same level and again coming back to what we talked about last two weeks ago about the patriarchy and all that stuff, right, and, and control. And from how I understood it, I mean, I never had too many good examples of these types of roles and responsibilities because, yeah, I was a mom's boy and my father and uncles and, and everybody else stepped up to the plate also to show me different things. But I learned a lot from the women, especially my grandmother. You know, that's why I'm such a great cook. <laughs> my grandmother ran a bakery for like 25 years. But learning and understanding some of those traits to help me develop some of the skills on my feminine side that I have today. You know, some that I'm still working on to be more compassionate. I don't want to get uh, 
too in depth on my CV, but mm. <laughs> I'll save you, Cody. Yeah, it, it, it would seem to make sense what you're saying as more uh, transition to adding to the masculine side, the nurturing, a compassionate side. And it's probably no, not sentence. It's fluid. You can add where, whatever you feel it's needed, what feels right. Trust your gut on that one. Add uh, add what you think is is good at the time. Not to be hard on yourself if it doesn't doesn't work out or always a chance. The next day is another day to to try try something new or try it in a different way. Something like my my dad passed away when I was seven, so I didn't have much time with him. But something that um always I'll just share a little bit here. But the way that my dad, when I say like he called me his princess, and I laugh about it, but the types of things that he would do for me during thunderstorms, I was like afraid of a thunderstorm, so he would pick me up, sit on the rocking chair, and he would sing Ganyageha songs to me to calm me down and relieve my anxiety. And that's an act of nurturing. That's, I got that from him. Where my mother, I guess maybe with her role, is to try to maybe toughen me up <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> so, um, like with her, with my brothers, though, like she's always been very nurturing with them. So it's like a the roles are reversed here. My dad was the one that took care of me emotionally. He taught me how to ride a bike. Uh, he used to have a motorcycle and he would take me with him wherever he was going. And I, I remember being in like the crawl space of his house and he was like soldering some pipes even. And like stupid me picked up a pipe just as, after he finished whatever. But he was just like <sighs> stuck my hand in a thing of margarine and like <laughs> called it a day. But he was always like I was always around learning from him. And like my mom, I guess she was just trying to drill in the tough parts because maybe she was, maybe her past, she was exposed to some things where she had to be tough for. So in a way, it's like she was acting as my protector and my dad was acting as my nurturer. Yep. So that's like kind of a bit of a role reversal, I guess, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. A little bit. But you got the whole package. You got I, it yeah. all there. Yeah. I have to say, I didn't have my dad for long, but mm. I'm very um, grateful for the time that I did, did have with him. And uh, like with my brothers, it was reversal again. My dad was hard on my brothers <laughs> mm -hmm. and my mom was more caring towards them. But I guess it's uh, it all depends on your parents' life experience too, right? Like how, how, because that's their main goal is to try to protect you. But it's just really interesting that there was like a bit of a role reversal with that one. And when I think about my grandparents, it's my grandmother for sure was the nurturer. She has eight sons and two daughters and then like my grandfather I learned a lot from him also he also kind of brought me around and I learned how to use tools and mm. all different kind of things take care of a pool <laughs> I could do all kinds of stuff now but like it's uh it's very cool to that I had that but I have a point and I'm trying to get to it <laughs> I gotta beat around the bush before I get to it and now I forgot what my point is but that's a woodland Indian running around the bush. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I, I guess I'm just reversal. trying to bring this all back together, like back to what we were saying is that roles are kind of confused because of modern times. We're seeing an importance of self-care, but again, maybe redefining or um, getting to the root of someone's self-care and not just spas and lattes and but like the hard work too. But we're in in terms of men, there's not enough support to allow things like that to happen. Like maybe that's something that we're we're hopefully trying yeah. to cause a shift in perspective here with this podcast. And that's one of the goals is just to 
at least vocalize what's happening. I got something to share. I did a thing. I'm doing a thing with John Abbott College, volunteering to be a, a mentor to one student. I start in January. What I've heard and what I feel myself is I wish I had someone at 15 and 16 in high school that I could uh, relate it to and a mentor, even advice. I didn't make use of high school counselors at all. And even in uh, college where I dropped out, I didn't uh, speak to anybody because of things going on at the house. So goes to show you can uh, evolve and change and improve. So I want to, in a way, give back to uh, help someone maybe go through a, a difficult time. Maybe it'll go easy. Maybe it'll be a little challenging, but uh, willing to give that a try. Uh, a mentor and a mentee. It's kind of connected to what, you know, present day, do men have role models, healthy role models? Go seek support and assistance and advice. So just to not admire from a distance, but, you know, follow that path a little bit. I think we can always benefit from a few more friends, male friends or role models. Definitely. <laughs> Everyone's just kind of looking at each other they now. Don't. Like <laughs> I'm wondering if we're going to have a place where we can play with each other's hair. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm like, don't ask me. Your wives will beat me up. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, just to to wrap this up, this was like a really like for me, it's a learning experience because like I, I have heard some versions of these stories, but like I said, I'm only picking these up as an adult because I didn't grow up with it. So the more I hear about it, the more perspectives. It's like I'm just absorbing all of it. So I want to thank you mm. for sharing what you guys shared today about about those stories, Peacemaker. Yeah, a lot of teachings in there. And me too, didn't grow up by hearing that. But it seems that we, if we know the stories a little bit, we find ourselves in the story, like the source of our kind of our problems, our issues. And but also the flip side is a way to get out of it. Mm -hmm. so it's the, kind of the problem and then the medicine to help you through it. And it's amazing because like I, I took uh, the creation story, 13 weeks, three hour sessions, and uh, it was one. Mm -hmm. But exactly. I was like, that's me. That's me right there. Mm. Oh, my God. That's me, too. Like the whole story is just me. And it's uh, it's amazing how how relatable everything is and all the lessons and all the stories that are in these. So just to, to wrap things up again, I want to thank you guys for being here and for sharing. I think right there you guys are, are being role models for the rest of these gentlemen and women in this community to to think about these things and like it's not talked about enough for sure for sure like you're not going to sit at Dedamaz and this is your conversation all the time this is only our conversation mm -hmm. <laughs> but like uh like uh, I can't yeah I just I'm so I have a lot of gratitude and a lot of respect for you guys for 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 speaking for talking yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you. Brent. Thanks, Cody. Thanks, Holland. Thank Thanks, Brent. Yeah, well, and uh, we're, I'm not exactly sure what our next topic of conversation is, but we're going to keep the ball rolling with, um, like, we're slowly inching our way through all these discussions that just seem to get bigger and bigger and bigger and expand every time we have a brainstorm session. So I don't think this series is going to be ending anytime soon. And it shouldn't. It honestly shouldn't. So um, thank you again for tuning in and we will see you next time. Now, Anna. views and opinions of the guests expressed in this podcast do not reflect those of your Divasay and its employees.